Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. And if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. On this episode, I am joined by Kevin Vistason of the Deer Hunter podcast. We sat down over a few beers at the Total Archery Challenge in Boyne, Michigan, talk about the event, the tight niche hunting community, the story of the Rompola buck, and everything else northern Michigan big woods deer hunting. The Onyx Hunt app is your premier GPS hunting app that turns your phone into a working GPS. This time of year, I'm scouring the maps on the desktop version of the app to look for areas to scout and hunt for mountain bucks, as well as potential hunting locations for my annual western hunt. The new 3D feature makes it convenient to look for glassing locations and ways of travel. If you want to check out the Onyx Hunt app for yourself, head over to onyxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW to save 20%. Tethered is a company that is founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. I'm using the Phantom Saddle System with the Predator platform for all my mobile hunts. I will be at Bucks and Bows Archery just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on August 14th for another tethered teach and train tour with John Eberhart. This event is free for anyone to attend from 10 to 2. To learn more about tethered and saddle hunting, head over to tetherednation.com. Maven is building the highest quality optics at half of the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. They want to create the best optics for the job, period. Their products are back with a lifetime no-fall warranty and an incredible customer experience. Maven had just released not too long ago the new RS5 4-24x50mm single focal plane rifle scope that's built for those who require the precision of the long-range dialing with the fine reticle benefits of a second focal plane. You can use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full-price optics order at mavenbuilt.com. And hunters are requiring an accurate forecast of the best hunting days and best hunting spots to save time on scouting and actually executing those hunts. The Spartan Forge Outfitter utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement, including GPS data, 30 years of weather, academic and state research. They're using science rather than someone's opinion to figure out the movement for your specific hunting area. You can use the code East Meets West to save 25% off of the outfitter at SpartanForge.ai. Oh, and one of the things I wanted to say about Spartan Forge there is I had been going through some trail camera photos from last year, doing more categorizing, trying to look at some trends, and I've been comparing it back and forth with Spartan Forge's historical predictions, and it is, or yeah, historical data, and it is pretty incredible how accurate it is with being able to tell, you know, what areas were high movement, which ones are thinking that were, you know, staying closer to betting and just kind of the correlation there. I know Steve Shirk has been doing a lot of, of testing of that as well with him. He, I run like 
uh, right around 30 to 32 cameras now and he runs like a hundred so he has a lot more even data points than i do there so it's it's pretty incredible to see how that's been working um but anyways on this week's mountain buck story of the week dalton gordon writes in for his second uh mountain buck story in two two years yeah two years in a row he's sent in a story here and uh it's also known as mountain buck monday over on social media so head over to east meets west hunt on instagram and east meets west outdoors on facebook to check it out so he wrote the story of my 2020 virginia mountain buck was similar to my 2019 nine point in the same area I gave my brother-in-law my spot from the year before, and he had an encounter with a really nice buck we had on trail camera, but couldn't close the the deal. I found a new slash similar spot about a half mile further out the trail. I set up next to where I thought they may be bedding and waited out until 1.40 p.m. when he came cruising out of the beds. It resulted in another long six-mile round-trip pack out. (laughs) Well, first of all, Dalton definitely seems to have a really good spot, but it doesn't come without a lot of work because that is a long way in and a lot of work to pack out a buck. So definitely well-earned, well-deserved here for the second year in a row. Definitely submit all of your stories. I love reading them. I love sharing them. Send in your mountain buck story and we'll get it featured. Uh, The only news I have this week is I did just release a, a new hat on my website, the Woodlands Patch Hat, and this comes equipped with a Mountain Bucks logo patch. It's a dry duck hat, so it's different. It's so a lot of mine have been Richardson or Legacy, so this is a dry duck hat, um, similar to, to Carhartt, and it's it's a really good addition to a, your most worn hat collection. Just super comfortable. And it's built with a breathable fabric in the crown and a ventilated mesh in the back. So it, it, to put it, to put it lightly, so it's a hundred percent polyester all the way around, no cotton involved. It has a pro shape crown, semi curve visor, structured snap back closure, and a no sweat moisture wicking sweatband. So it, it comes in olive camo. So it's olive on the front and the back, and then with a camo bill. And 3% of the proceeds of this product and anything else that's apparel on my website are donated to the conservation organization of the quarter. And this quarter, it happens to be the National Deer Association. So 3% of the proceeds will go there. So check that out, if you will, just eastmeetswesthunt.com slash shop. You can find all of uh, the apparel and other products that I have there to help support the show, if you're interested. Um, but anyways, let's uh, let's jump into the podcast here with Kevin Vistason, and I hope everyone's having a great week. All right, we're live. Kevin Vistason, Beaumartonic, East Meets West slash Deer Hunter podcast. I don't know. We're not really sure what kind we're of doing like with east, it yet. Kind of like East Meets East. East Meets East Michigan <laughs> yeah. slash, I don't know. But what's going on, brother? Uh, Ooh. What, do you got, what are you drinking over there? PBR. There was just a healthy debate outside about how uh, how many calories and how full of a beer this was and i th- I thought it's a rather light beer but i've been contradicted a few times 
but it's right in there with the healthy beer. So it's really. <laughs> so wait, hold a second. What do you consider a healthy beer? Well, what do they call them? They they try to brand them to like people that are running and working out, like Michelob yeah. Ultra. Yeah, you know. So these are a few more calories, but they're way tastier. And yeah, yeah, you get more bang for your buck. Really, Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, man, we're having a a couple beverages. We're in the lower level here of a uh, condo at Boyne Mountain for the Total Archery Challenge, and everybody's there's a big old giant cornhole tournament going out there right now, huh? Yeah, there is. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. There's a bunch of people here. It's uh it's pretty cool. Pretty cool event all around, I'd say. I would say, you know, I haven't done any of these. This is the first one, but this is seems like such an ideal venue yeah. for this type of event. I haven't had to go anywhere any all weekend. I, I didn't realize how big this property was. Yeah. So there's all these multiple courses and there's a vendor area. You know, right now the lighting's getting awesome. I wanted to go down to that little village and take some pictures this evening yeah they had all these lights strung across the streets i was like this is awesome I, i'm bringing my family i'll have a better plan next year yeah. to bring my wife and kids here for the weekend they'll have fun yeah and there's so many other things that go on like if you're hanging out you know at the courses and stuff with the guys like there's so many other things going on here for the family too yeah there's tons of families here yeah. there's a bunch of little kids here a friend of mine his four-year-old walked the uh, the prime course today. His really? four-year-old did the whole prime course today, which I thought was pretty good because I did the prime course yesterday, and I thought it was a little not not ta- it wasn't taxing, but it's long though. There Isn't was it like probably close to four or five miles. Yeah, and it's all elevation. Yeah, up and downs, and so. You know, I thought, man, that kid's four. Um, he's doing it. Like, and I saw today was like a surreal day for me. I was super happy just sitting around the venue and seeing all the people and all the kids and the families and stuff. I'm like, man, the archery community is alive and well. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, man, this feels good because I don't get to do a lot of these events. You know, and I'm 40 minutes here from my deer camp. So this is my home turf. Yeah, and it's, from what I've seen, like I drove most of it in the dark last night, but it's a beautiful area. Like it's, re- at least what I've seen around this, I'm excited actually tomorrow to drive out and see everything in the daylight, but it seems like a really cool area, a bunch of lakes around, big woods, just. It, it, it is. It's a shame that uh, we don't have time. To have a day to basically drive around because you came all this way. Yeah. And yeah, you drove in in the dark. And honestly, we're within 30 minutes of some world class uh, lake shores for sure. Our world class. Really? Yeah. When when you get over to the lake and you see it for the first time, you're you're like, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to where you are. It looks like, you know, Bahamas or Bermudas or whatever, all these different shades of blue and turquoise. Really? Absolutely. I would not have thought that. Yeah, it's just stunning. I mean, it's literally stunning. I'll spend good money on nice polarized sunglasses just to come up here and look at the water. Like, it. it's uh, very fulfilling. So, and on top of that, we're in, outst- we're fortunate here in Michigan to have 
the most public land out of any state east of the Mississippi. So I believe we have 7.2 million acres of public. And there's public land and there's good public land everywhere. So there's, and there's deer everywhere. There's great habitat and there's great deer hunting. There's world-class fishing. And to see all these people out here doing the same thing that I I love. I had a guy on the pod, my podcast last night that yeah. was here. I, I hope people will go and uh, follow Michigan Out of Doors television. They're gonna, getting ready to celebrate their 75th year of production. So they've been putting out outdoor television for coming up to 75 years. And when I was a kid, I grew up in an old farmhouse. We only had an antenna and got local broadcast. There was no cable. We yeah. didn't have any of that. And so that was the only hunting content that I got as a kid. And my it was actually on, it came on at our bedtime. And that was the one day a week that we got to stay up for an extra half an hour yeah. to watch Michigan Out of Doors. And so it's been, you know, and now we oh, sit that's down. that's really cool that you got to sit down and interview them. Now, my, me and my family, I sit down with my kids and my wife once a week. That's the only show we sit down for once a week as a family, and we watch Michigan Out of Doors television. And it's it's outstanding. For anybody that wanted to watch it, you can go on YouTube, go to Michigan Out of Doors t- television, subscribe, and they put a show out. They do a show every week, all year long, every week, whatever's going on in the state. And then, obviously, when it comes into the fall, Jordan, that was on my podcast last night, him and Gabe, actually the whole crew are, I mean, it'll be all white-tailed deer hunting in the fall. Yeah. Because that's what people want to see, too, right? But, you know, when we were, when I was a kid, we didn't have YouTube or any of that. It was just what was on this, you know, public television once a week, we're like, oh, deer, you know, deer hunting yeah. in the fall. Yeah. And then DVDs and stuff came around. And now you can just go on. I mean, you could just watch endless amounts of it, but it wasn't like that. So, yeah, it was it was a cool thing. And it just wraps into the whole thing that's been going on here this weekend is the community and all the people. I've, I've, I've had a great weekend. Yeah. I'm on cloud nine. Yeah, I know, man. It's Isn't it so, like, just awesome to see and everyone's just like a bunch of like-minded people and everyone just gets together and has fun and just shooting bows and just talking deer hunting stories or any kind of hunting stories really and like being able to it's funny i've actually been like this year i've been really lazy with the amount of podcasts that i've recorded this is my second total archery challenge but i've just enjoyed just like talking to people i wish i could have got them on recording to be honest because like a lot of the stories you hear and we were i was i was over at um, i was talking to kendall card at the Chris, crispy uh boots booth over there and this guy comes up and he starts talking to us and he's talking about boots and stuff and he said something about like goat goat hunting i'm like I don't like to judge a book by its cover, but I didn't, I didn't expect this guy to be like, you know, like a, like a mountain goat hunter. It just didn't seem like he fit the card. He's from, you know, when you think of guys from Michigan or Pennsylvania, you're not typically thinking like extreme mountain hunters, but this guy all of a sudden started talking more and he's like, yeah, I'm going trying to finish my sheep slam this year. I wonder if I know who that guy is. 
It, did you talk to him? Do you it, know what his name is? I can't remember his name, to be honest. He he did tell. I was like like not a part of the conversation the whole time. I was kind of hearing it, and then I kind of jumped in because I was like super interested. But I can't remember what the guy's name is, but um, he had a bunch of like he had like a bunch of mountain ops hat, and his wife was with him. And But he was like, it's not like he worked for Cabela's or something in the past and everything, but he was like, talking about these hunts and like and he was in Tiburon Island in Mexico and all this stuff hunting sheep and like all these crazy ass adventures and I was just like just listening to this guy talk and I was like that's awesome like you don't you, you don't go to there's not too many places you just run into people that have those types of stories yeah yeah I've been really you know it's been really interesting walking around and talking to the crowd and there's a ton of locals here, obviously, but there's people from all over the country. I mean, everybody I talked to today, it was like, "Oh, where are where are you from?" And and more often than not, it seemed it seemed that they said a different state, not Michigan. And there's a lot of people traveling from throughout the uh, hunting industry as vendors doing these shows, which is awesome. I mean, the Kafaru people are all here. There's a bunch of people walking around with Kafaru stuff, which I thought was, I wasn't expecting that because they're more of a small niche. And I, I know obviously they have a big Western following, but I, I was just, I was surprised to see that. And then, you this know, is their crowd though, man, like in, in, in seven Springs and Pittsburgh. Their booth was busy. same way. I talked with Dana and Frank and they both said that it was a great show for them. And they, uh, yeah, they had nothing but pos- positive things to say. And then, yeah, John Dudley, the knock-on, he obviously has a giant following. Dude, we were talking about it. Like, when did you see him talking at the end? Were you still there? when he, I, like- I didn't. I caught uh, maybe the first five or ten minutes of him, and I was trying to get some stuff packed up, get back up here and get a shower and, yeah. and whatnot. But I, I stood there for a couple minutes and listened to him, and uh, obviously it was, you know, it was I've heard him on a ton of podcasts, so just to see him in person was Dude, cool. And then uh, I John, had to boogie. John is like, so he's got a following, and I, I I've seen him a lot of the last two weeks, and I haven't haven't talked to him or just I don't know, I just hadn't made a point to go over and talk to him, which I should. But like, people look at him as like an iconic figure. Like people, well, there was there was I watched a lady hug him last weekend and cry and say thank you for. I'm like I don't know what he did that's <laughs> making you feel this emotional, but like thank change you for, your t- change your flat tire or something. Yeah, like, like it was it was it was kind of, but it was cool because like, but the, the cult like following is crazy to yeah, watch. Like, I know, but he is extremely good at education. Like, He's good. And he was up on the course on his course today. He was up on his course when he was in the Seven Springs of Pennsylvania event and just talking to everybody. And oh, then so sh- he's and shooting traveling groups. around and doing. Yeah. He's doing all the total archery challenges and he's. Seems smart. Yeah. And like, but like super good with just talking to people and being like very personable. And I think that that's, you know, and he's a great educator. I mean, I look at his YouTube videos when I need anything archery related. Like, he's very, very good at what he does, and he's created a brand that's incredible. Yeah, he's uh, friends with Joe Rogan, which obviously is the he probably talks to more humans than any person that has ever existed does. 
that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, and I don't think that there that's an exaggeration by any means. He had Joe Rogan has a bigger community of individuals that he talks to than any reach that has ever been had, and he goes on that podcast, and they're they're obviously buddies. Yeah, so it's the reach is just insane. I I think like right now, honestly, a, a hunting company could not. They could not do business with a single like ambassador or rep or anything all year. Just pay all that money to Joe Rogan, and they would probably have like a bigger return on their investment versus dealing with like three hundred pe- different people. Yeah, just him dealing with like he gets nine hundred of us, twenty <laughs> plus million downloads on a podcast. I mean, that's just. Can you imagine? Like, okay, say. Kevin, you from the Deer Hunter podcast was on a Joe Rogan episode. What that would do to your podcast downloads? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. You know, it's uh, to to get the opportunity to have that reach is unlike anything that anybody would ever have. And so, when you get it, you don't you wouldn't squander it. And obviously, John has has done that. And the fact that he's coming to these events and shooting his courses. That um, that makes me think a lot more of him than the fact that he's buddies with Joe Rogan or anything. Yeah. The fact that he's actually here and shooting his courses and stuff is cool. And obviously, he's out there interacting with people. So, yeah, you know, it's funny. People are. I haven't been on social media for like three or four days because I've been up here. Yep, my phone doesn't work that great. I'm super busy, and it's just like this is reality. Not when you go on that phone. And, you know, there's a lot of people have negative things to say about people in the hunting industry, clo- I mean, clothing brands, coolers, you name it. Anything that gains popularity, there's a bunch of people like crabs in a bucket just waiting to try to tear it down. And I've heard a bunch of people talk bad and say things about John Dudley. And I think it's simply because he's a popular he's, yeah person that has a big following. But from what I saw here from him today and contributing to this event, yeah, I like it. A bunch of kids out there, a bunch of families and everything. Super cool. Yeah. I, I feel like we live in a pretty unique time for, you know, I, so I was looking at my bow today and the way that we were shooting and everything. And I was like, we literally live in the future. Like these bows are so <laughs> good. Yeah, and we have laser range finders that tell us the exact yardage, and then binoculars with harnesses to get a good look at everything. Or and I had so much fun shooting, way more fun than I thought I was going to have. Yeah, today I was into it, <laughs> dude. I was getting irritated. There's a bunch of groups that were moving slow. You know, we skipped some targets just to move through because yeah. we were going. Yeah, you just loved it. Just I was loved. You were in the flow state. I You're took just... a nap today too. You know, <laughs> yeah. I you took did a, disappear for a little. I bit. took a nap this afternoon, and I drank a like a three hundred milligram caffeine energy drink after that, and a bunch of what, water. Did you have one of those black rifle? No, I had a uh, like a rain. Oh yeah, yeah. I've had those before. Yeah, gas. Your skin get gets like tingly. Oh, yeah, You're like that might be too much caffeine. Yeah, but yeah. I feel good, and yeah, those are running up that running up that mountain but yeah shot good i lost an arrow yesterday and i lost an arrow today that's not bad that's not bad for what those courses are well the bows are so good it's true they're so good they're better I, than we are i sighted my bow in on i put my sight tape on on wednesday 
and I shot at 40 yards because we had to make some adjustments. So I, I shot my bow last week and I sighted it in. I have the HHA single pin Tetra. You have to shoot at 20 and then at 60 and then it'll give you a number for sight tape. Yep. I did that and I put the sight tape on and then when I went to 100 yards, my sight housing was crashing into my fletchings. So I was like, <sighs> I and I knew they shoot had, would have to shoot over 100 yards here. So I wanted at least 100 yards to be good. And so I ended up having to switch from a 125 grain field point, which is what I hunt with for broadheads, 125 grain. Yep, same here. Which seemed stupid to me at the time. I'm like, why, are I, why am I changing my setup right now to go do this when my objective is in the fall yeah. to have this setup? But I was like, no, yeah, it, it makes sense. Like, you should be able to change your setup and accommodate different things. So... I put 100 grain on there instead of 125, and then Mitch moved my peep up three-eighths of an inch, and I was able to bring that sight housing up probably, oh, five-eighths of an inch, and then I recited in. The sight tape was like three or four down. I was shooting faster with the with that, uh, with that lighter field point, and... Yep. I was able to come here and shoot uh, today or yesterday out to 110 yards and, you know, not miss. And it's just incredible, like a testament to how good. I, I've been running a very similar bow for the last couple of years. So it's not like I jumped into like a new bow or a new release or new arrows. I have the same arrows on my bow for the last two seasons. I haven't. I had to take my broadheads off for the first time in uh, two and a half years to come here to shoot this because I've just had my setup kind of dialed in and I don't like to m mess with it. Yeah, I shoot with my broadheads all the time, and uh, I had well, to take. That's good. I mean, you're a hunter, so like that's what makes sense. It, you're not a target archery, so that makes, you know. Exactly. I never did any target archery. Yeah. So I was a little bit intimidated to come here, to be honest with you. I was like, I don't want to get outclassed. Like, I don't want, first and foremost, arrows cost money. And I was like, man, I don't want to go there and just burn up a bunch of arrows and, and cat. I'll be frustrated, you know. And it just, uh. I don't know the way the courses were set up and I was, I felt prepared in the capacity that I talked with a lot of people about how the courses were set up and what I needed to have. I had everything. And then after day one, which was yesterday, I made a couple changes to my setup today. And if I had some time tomorrow, I'd really would be awesome to get up there first thing in the morning and shoot a course. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, I, I think that's one that that's cool that you got outside your comfort zone and did it and just you know went after it and and shot these courses because they are intimidating those kind of distances. So like mine, I have my my I shoot a spot hog, but it's similar to the way your HHA HHA is set up where like the twenty and the sixty. So I have a double pin on mine and I'm shooting 125 up front and I can only get to 90 before my site housing would hit. But I have a, 
Mine's a double pin, so the second pin I lines get. up perfect with a hundred. Right. So I can get a hundred out of mine, and then after that, it's kind of a guessing game. Yeah. But I kind of try to. Um, but that that was good for me to to shoot this course and and be. I didn't shoot today actually. It's funny. I drove ten hours here and I didn't shoot the course. I don't know. I'm still slightly debating on staying tomorrow morning just to shoot a little bit. But you I should. I know. Do the Yeti one if you want. It's well. How long did it take you to go through run through it? Man, we did the Yeti one in ninety minutes. That's not bad. And there was three of us. Let's say last last week we did the knock on course. It was like four hours in 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 uh, Seven Springs, and I just like I, I have a ten hour drive home. I just want to get home at a decent time, and be able to. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just traveling sometimes you know it's like the yeti course was a very nice so we shot the prime course yesterday and i would say most targets were between 60 and 110 there was a lot of long range shooting and it was a longer course we did the yeti today i would say most targets were from 30 to 60 but there was a lot of ups and downs yeah and a lot of it was in the timber which was really nice. Uh, it got it was hot yesterday. Yeah, it got a little overcast today. It was nicer, but up there this afternoon, it was awesome. I mean, we were still sweating. Yeah, I would say it's still humid. As it, hell it was humid, there. and we're. I mean, we're we were having fun. We played uh, Wounder Kill. I don't know if you're familiar with no, that. No, what's Wounder uh, Kill? Wounder Kill. So, if you miss the target, it's zero. If you hit the target and it's not in the the insert, then that's a wound. It's a negative one. And if you get it in the insert, that's a point. So we played Wounder Kill versus doing eight and ten ring. Yeah, and all, yeah all I that. like that. Oh, it was fun. And so we were, uh, I won today. I had eight. And the runner up was zero and my cousin lost my other cousin lost and he was uh, negative four. Yeah. But we had a blast, yeah. dude. It was so much fun. And uh it like I said, it took about ninety minutes and everybody out there was so friendly. Like we ran into a, a lot of different everybody <laughs> we're we're shooting and then we see this guy coming from a distance behind us, running. Like, what's this guy doing? He's pretty much sprinting. And he had, like, a hip quiver on, so the arrows were kind of going everywhere. And he's, like, trying to hold those. And he's got his bow. And he, he took some kind of bet on how fast he could do the course in flip-flops. He has flip-flops on. <laughs> and he is covered in dirt. I mean, all the way up to... Above his knees, he looked like pig pen, and he had these. Uh, I don't know. I I I'm assuming he was from a western state. This gentleman, because these flip flops that he had, like had like laces and stuff. That I mean, they were tied on there. Yeah, you know. And he's just burning through this. He's like, can I jump in front of you guys? Like, <laughs> yeah. And uh, we didn't even really talk much to him. You know, I was like, that guy's in a hurry. And then the guys that came behind us are like, yeah, he's been he's doing every course today and seeing how fast he can do them, trying to set times and flip-flops. And I'm like, dude, there's everybody out here. Like, Man, he better be getting a lot of money. But we, we had <laughs> such a great laugh. I'm just like, man, this is so fun. It, well, it, he dropped something. 
So he he shot and ran down, and like two minutes later, he's he's running up the hill at us. We're like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. And he's like, did you guys see, uh, and he had one of those, I don't know what, I call it a kickstand. Oh, yeah, the ones that go on the, I can't remember, I think Pine Ridge or something makes it, that goes on the, on the bottom of the, your uh, limb yeah. that, so you can set your bow and up. And he realized that. he lost it. And so the group behind us had found it and was walking with it. And, uh, yeah, it was just, we all had a good laugh. And then yeah. those guys came up, you know, and they were like, what's up with that guy? Like, we're like, yeah. that's what we were wondering, you know? What's cool about these events and, like, anybody that's never been to them is, is so, like you said, everybody's friendly. It's great to get to talk to a bunch of like-minded people that just love archery and love bow hunting and love hunting in general and they're just like i don't know every time i come to these like even though i you know i drove 10 hours here sucked it's just like yeah the the idea of what after just after one yeah 10 after one i think you text me. yeah i did and it, it sucked but like it's so worth it like today flew by because all i did was just talk to people and i was never like Feeling like, oh, man, this is draining. Like, I just had such a good time. I mean, I'm going to sleep hard as hell tonight, but it was like, it's it's such a good event. Anybody that wants even thinking about it, just do it. Like, it's it's cool. I'm glad you got out to experience one of these and get to be around everybody. Yeah, like I said, I'll do it again next year, and I'll, I'll bring my family. I, I have to ask you what, did you, uh, what did you talk to John Eberhart? How did your podcast go? With him, I was kind of excited that you were get you were yeah. sitting down uh, to talk with him. What did you guys talk about, and how do you feel that it went? It went really well. So, like, I I'd wanted you guys to... both. Do you you uh, do some work with Tethered? Yeah. Yep. And, so, and John has his own signature saddle from Tethered, and so John, I'd been wanting to interview him for a long time, but I didn't know like how to approach it. Like I, I I'm sure you're the same way. Like you, you think methodical about it. And like, I'm like, how can I talk to this guy that's, you know, extremely successful and stuff, but talk to him differently than anybody else has. So what, what getting to meet him in person did was get to understand his background more, like not from what I've listened on podcasts. And he was like super. Um, so I, I was just, He's been he's been hunting out of a saddle for forty one years, like this. He's killed what, I don't know over a hundred Pope and Young bucks. Like he he's incredibly like he has a very good track record. So I was like, what am I gonna talk to him about? And I said, John. I said, being from Michigan, I said, have you ever hunted the big woods? And he's like, yeah, for like twenty years. He's like, until I realized ag was easier. <laughs> it's literally what he said to me, and I was like, I started laughing, and I was like, okay. I said, I want to talk to talk about your you know big timber kind of experiences and what you've thought were differences and some of the things that you've kind of what was your approach you know back then when you were hunting those types of areas and a lot of it what what i've learned and i'm sure you've learned too from like interviewing successful people no matter where they hunt the concepts are the same it's just how you apply them based on the certain areas you know like a lot of the same concepts and he's very detail oriented and like he was talking about his his stand hers you know his trees that he preps and does everything and and he you know he's had some you know he's a very honest guy and he's like hey i didn't have as much success hunting big woods as i do now 
you know, hunting some ag countries. Like, but uh, you know, he, he did pretty well still doing it. And he was explaining on some of the things, the differences that he found. And we, we got into a lot of that and got into his attention to detail on things. And, and yeah, it was, it was a really interesting thing. Got him talking to some deer stories that he had from the past. And, and John just loves talking to people about deer hunting and sharing his passion for and his passion for saddle hunting and like he's yeah he's very very good like i I did i did like i said i didn't know how to approach it with john because he's he's a unique guy and i've and he's intense he's intense and i just didn't know how to approach it with him and i'm glad i got to meet him first and talk to him and it was it was really good it's funny you prepped me ahead time you're like see if you can get him to talk about the the Ron Polo buck, but he, he wouldn't talk about it on the air. Not publicly. Not publicly. He but he's got about some it. great information, right? He does have some really good information, but he wouldn't talk about it publicly. Right. Publicly. Right. Which I've really enjoyed listening. Well, I, I like your podcast in general, and I've really loved the ones that, that you had with um, talking, like diving into the Ron Polo buck and your like dedication to understanding that story like nobody's ever dove into before it's been pretty it's been pretty sweet to yeah listen it's to. uh it's a good story because there's no end to it no you're right there is no end to it yeah it's a great it's uh then there's so many opinions about it and it's a, a guy hit it hit the the uh nail on the head he sent me a message and he said it was the jfk of like uh deer hunting stories yeah you know and i'm like yeah i totally i totally get it and a lot of people have had that response you know they really enjoy it but you know who doesn't enjoy a great deer hunting story and that one that one will you know it's never going away no it it's not and i'm i'm gonna have uh i think this week i'm gonna put out the third part in it and the guy that i'm having on is just it's just a world-class conversation and it's funny all the guy all the people all the, the people that were closest to that guy are very credible individuals so he ran with a very credible circle of people and you can have your opinion on if you think it's true or you don't but essentially what I'm trying to do is just collect as much information as possible. And I think if people listen to it closely, if you put, if something's bullshit and everybody tells their, you'll figure it, you'll, you'll find it out. I think. Yeah. So by the time we're done with this, I think it'll, there'll be, you can have a good reasonable assumption. I feel like it. I feel like you'll have a better assumption. Yeah. But I still also think that no one besides that man and that deer and maybe a select few people will ever know if what. <clears throat> so the story of the, the Mitchell and Polo Buck, like it, it resonated with me so much that you covered it. And I was telling you this offline, but when I was, I don't, what, what year was that that he shot that? <sighs> I have to look. Ninety. Back. I want to say maybe ninety three. Was it? I thought it was later than that. It could have been ninety. Uh, maybe I don't know. 
whatever it was. I'm in bad shape to think about dates and names yeah. and numbers right now. <laughs> but uh, I... <laughs> I uh, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's... We had a long day. We're having some beers. Yeah, so that's reasonable. It was in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it was like, I don't know, I was like... I know exactly. I was eight years old, actually. I can remember this to a point. So I was born in 92. So it was around 99, 2000, somewhere in that time frame. I remember that buck was like still like all over. And, and my grandpa would, my grandpa, I, I would always go over to his house and he was a big wood carver and, and artist and drawing stuff. And I was at a young age, very, I'd say at my age, I was talented at drawing. And I used to draw this buck he had this one magazine that had the, the Ron Polo buck in it. And I draw this photo over and over and over again. And I was obsessed with this deer. And I had a, I had a thing where all I wanted, I mean, years later when I got to the age of 12 or in Pennsylvania at the time, that's when you were allowed to start deer hunting. That all I want to do is shoot a buck that went straight out that just left the skull one or eight out. And when I was 13 years old, I shot a buck, obviously not as big as Mitch's, but like a buck that was like 21 and a quarter inch red that went straight out. It was just an eight point. I mean, he's 119 inches or whatever it was, but oh, like you were into it. Oh, when I shot it and walked up, I was like, this was my dream deer. Like I, I remember telling my dad leading up to the, I want to, I want to shoot a buck goes straight out and I draw pictures of what I, well, basically <laughs> I took Mitch's buck and like scaled it down sure. to Pennsylvania size and that's what I wanted to shoot. And that's and, cool that that's what you're, you know, what you're, yeah. I feel like people have that. Like I'm into big brow tines. Yeah. I'm tore up by big brow tines. <laughs> like <laughs> it just, up. I freak out over it. Yeah. Like if a deer has big, tall brows, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Like I'll, yeah, that's it for me. Some people like with, yeah. um, and and that's the way I was then. I now I I like I like big tines. Like that's something that's always got me. Like even a tight frame, I don't care if it's thirteen inches wide. Like I like big tines. But that point, like this, that wide, cool frame was like something I was I was super into. And giant it was, giant deer. I mean, world class. Yeah, yeah. That yeah is incredible and like based off of the the my again my childhood with it and then hearing it like is i i want to believe it's true whether it is or not i want to it could be that's the thing it could be it the landscape is here for it the age structure is possible and as a hunter, you know, you can be real good and have a couple good days or have a, a great day and things happen. And, you know, you don't even necessarily have to be the best deer hunter to kill the giant, the, a big giant deer. I mean, that happens to random people, right place, right time. A lot of it comes down to luck. But, you know, for, for someone in Mitch's shoes, from what I've learned and been told, He's spending all his time. So, you know, when you factor that in, you can make things happen. And and that's what he was doing. He was just hunting all the time. And the one thing that I found out that I didn't know before this, that when I, uh, when I started doing, when I, uh, before I started doing this, I didn't know that 
I didn't know anything about him. But now I know that he can talk deer hunting with other people that I know to be top tier deer hunters. And he is right in there. You know, he was doing some stuff that people are doing now before other people were doing it. Yeah, before there was videos on YouTube about it. I when I that's what that's one of the things I don't I think it might have been episode two that you did about that. I can't remember specifically, but I'm listening and I apologize, but my wife is calling me, so I'm just texting her. Yeah. Proceed, you, please. Yeah, I didn't no. want you to think that I wasn't paying attention, but I want to let her know that I'm doing a podcast You're, and I'm gonna call her after. Yeah, that's fine. But like so like when I was listening to that and the things I don't remember if it was like an old article or or something that they'd pulled from but like yeah his tactics to it were like before his time almost like from what is mainstream or what is out there now for people to learn from like he was obviously a good deer hunter whether true or not like the story of that buck like he was a good deer hunter and understood deer and even you know talking to john and everything like there there was no doubt about that like he understood deer better than most of the population and yeah the, the big woods has that mysterious vibe to it you just don't know what you can run into and it i don't know i i it's just everything in that story makes me want to believe it so much again just like my own personal bias like i want it to be true <laughs> i think it's possible man i mean I'm, my deer camp's 40 minutes from where we are here. Yeah. And we were out there. So I drove up. I left after work on Thursday and drove to my camp. And we did some scouting on Friday morning and just walked around in the woods. And it just, it only takes you a couple minutes to f start feeling like there could just be a giant, giant deer living out here. Because yeah. nobody's been out here. I put a camera up at the end of last season, and it sat through the end of last season all the way through the spring. There was nothing on it but deer and elk, you know, not a single person. And it's just, there's expansive landscape. There's a lot of foliage. Yeah. There's places that deer could get some age on them. There's a ton of food. I mean, it, it's funny how we look back and, I've been doing this for five years now. We did some podcasts up there, and I brought some friends up there that hunt ag. And they're like, yeah, there's just, there's no food, you know? And I was like, yeah, there's no, like, you know, there's no beans or corn or... No big destination. But when you really learn about whitetail and how they, how they operate, Woody Browse is their primary diet. And they know where to go and what has the most nutrients in it and this and that. So provided that the deer herd is in check for the food available in the area, those deer get as big as, as any deer because that's what, by nature, how they're designed to be is to live off of woody browse. So buds, young forage, they don't need a bean field. They don't need a corn field. It, and... We could even possibly argue that a guy like Mitch Rampola uh, shot a world-class deer 
because it was in a spot that had access to all that versus uh, being in an agriculture area where it's eating like a monocrop. You know, they have access to up here, apples. You know, there's apple trees all throughout everywhere. There's uh, acorns. I mean, the, we've, the last couple years, the acorns have been insane. Just bumper crops of acorns. And then we have a great logging, regenerative, you know, forest operation that goes on up here. Yeah. So they have tons of cuts to eat. I mean, these deer have so much food, so much cover. And if if you come up here during bow season, it's you hardly run. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to be unlucky to run into somebody. I I really feel like it's just a pretty world class bow hunting up here and I feel like a lot of other people feel that way uh or are super passionate about it given like I said what I saw here today and the amount of people that were around doing this. Yeah, and so do you find or is this the the a fact that like the apple trees up this area were those old like towns and stuff or like old things that had those apple trees that were planted in the past? I I don't know. Do you find like that universally? But I do know that for sure there was like, this was a golf resort in 1910 or some type of club and yeah. the state acquired the land. And yeah, there's like some pear trees and some apple trees, but also a lot of times you'll just come across like a lost apple tree. And it's just like there was never anything here. <laughs> no yeah. way. And maybe somebody 40 years ago uh, dropped an apple seed there. I don't know exactly how it happened. But, yeah, there will be some, you know, there will be some apple trees th- periodically throughout the. But there's also that, like you said, the, the, the testament of time. You'd be like, why is there a bunch of apple trees here? Well, there might have been a, a resort here, you know. Yeah hundred years ago because like i i know when i again growing up my my grandpa used to always he loved metal detecting and he uh would go to where he found a group of apple trees because it typically meant in pennsylvania that there was some sort of a village there at one point and you could find old coins or sure. bottles or anything that they had left and and that was always like you know, and he'd be like, if you find, you know, more than a couple apple trees in an area, normally those were planted because there was some sort of, and they're always by, they, not always, a lot of times were by water. They always had everything that like a little village or something was able to 100% thrive off of. And it was, it's interesting. And you could always find that kind of stuff there. There'd be like an old railroad grade that would run through these apple orchards. And it, it was, it's really cool to think about the, the history of it and almost wish you could see what it looked like at one point. The property that my family owns in Southern Michigan. So we're talking about my camps, like 40 minutes from here where we are, but I live four hours South of here essentially. And the, the farm that my family has down there is situated right in right off of the biggest freshwater Delta in the entire world. Sinclair flats, world-class fishing, marsh swamps tons of wildlife waterfowl world-class waterfowl hunting and so for the reason that it was a very game rich area uh native americans inhabited that area 
So my grandfather, from being on our farm and working the land for, my grandfather is 92 now. He has, he probably has four one-gallon Ziploc bags of arrowheads and axe heads and spear points. And, you know, to think back of all that time ago that people were out here hunting and now I'm out here hunting on it is just, uh, it's kind of a surreal. It is. Kind of a surreal thought. Yeah. And I, when I was driving up here, I noticed as I passed Grayling, and that's, is that where Fred Bear was from? It was not where or, he was where, from. Where he had the business. That's where Bear Archery started. Yes, sir. Because I, I read his book, or the book about him, essentially, and... Yeah, and I remember reading about all these places, and it was fascinating. And, and you know, and he you know cut his teeth on a lot of this northern Michigan type stuff, and it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's too <laughs> bad we don't have more time, man. I'd love to take you to the Bear Den in Grayling. It's a pizza place and a Fred Bear Museum. Really? Yeah, you can just go in there and have some great pizza and. They've got all this Fred Bear stuff in there. It's it's the coolest place called the Bear Den. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that that's it. Grayling Green. That's a, uh, you know, for anybody that shoots traditional archery, they know what Grayling Green is when they see that color. And it was, you know, that's where the archery shop was. I think they were there for 30 years or something along that lines. But yeah, there's just a rich... Rich tradition and uh, a lot of people that we talk about. We, you and I, have talked about this. Obviously, PA and Michigan share the same type of heritage and about deer hunting. It's funny. I listened to this week your podcast that you did. Well, I think you did it maybe a month or so ago, but you just put it out this past week with John Stewart. Steve yeah. Shirk. Steve Shirk and yeah. the gentleman from Spartan Forge. Yeah, Bill Thompson. And I listened to it, and I just absolutely loved it. You know, I felt like I was kind of at one of my camps. Yeah. And uh, that John Stewart, he's a hoot. Yeah, oh, he's hilarious. And, you know, we have chatted before a while back, and then I listened to him, yeah, that podcast this week, and I thought, you know because we had talked we were like oh we should do a podcast this and that and then we just kind of he's he works a ton and i work a ton and we just kind of lost lost connectivity and so on my way up here i thought you know i'm gonna call him and uh see if i can catch him and say we'll do you know hey we'll listen to bo's podcast today and got yeah. thinking about you you know and i know i lost track i just didn't want you to think i like like forgotten Dude, we ended up talking for an hour and a half. <laughs> you, when you start talking to John, it's like, yeah, he he loves he. That guy's one of the most passionate deer hunters that I've ever met. Yeah, yeah, and he's great to converse with. Yeah, he's wicked smart, and yeah, it was a pleasure. So, oh, that's awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad you you got to connect with him there. Yeah, and I told him the whole deal. That was he was excited. You could tell he was generally excited. Yeah. Oh man. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. <laughs> he kept saying, I'm so happy for you. Because I was going to deer camp. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, he, he loves it. Like, he's building his camp into something that's, like, incredible. And he's just, like, you you heard him talk about it on the podcast. But he's just, like, when his, his fiance is, like, 
this could be nicer than our home. He's like, oh, yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> well, you don't want to go stay somewhere that's not as nice as your house. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that guy, he thinks about deer hunting 24-7 is the most, like, because, like, I killed my big deer this year because of him. Like, I was, he, we went to one of his areas, and him and I were just at camp the night before a deer camp at my grand, my grandfather's camp. And we were talking about our plans. He's like, why are we going separate directions? Like this is gun season. We should just have fun together and like, you know, do that. We went together that day and killed that. And, you know, there, there, you know, some people may be like, um, if someone shoots, you know, quote unquote, their deer, you know, would be kind of upset over it. And he was literally just like, I was like, John, I kind of feel bad about this. <laughs> right. he's, like, he's like, why? He's like, that just crosses one deer that I have to, I don't have to worry about anymore off my list. He's like, I, <laughs> I don't care. He's like, I'll just move on. He's like, it, w- yeah, he ended up getting killed and, and that's he, all there is to it. He, he's right. The whole experience. And we get caught up in that because it's such a, it can be a challenging endeavor Yeah, that you just get on your path and you're like, man, I just, I got to get this accomplished yeah that's my goal right now but to do it with friends and have a story behind it the whole thing i mean that's that's really what i feel like a lot of people are missing out on yeah and and when john tells if john ever tells you i got an easier way to take this deer out we'll just go down across this creek i'm like i get down there it's a fucking river i'm like (laughs) dude i was like I thought this was bigger than you were making it sound. I crossed it with him before in waders in October, and I was like, it was pretty, you know, we've had snow and some runoff and all this stuff. I'm like, he's like, yeah, I figured, yeah, we'll get across it. You can change when you get home, go shower. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing so hard. That's funny. Yeah, it was, yeah, I'll never forget that. And like, it was, it was just, it was so cool to, be able to experience that with him and my dad. It's yeah, cool. that's one of the prettier deer I've seen shot in the last couple of years. Yeah, big brow tines like you like. Yeah, I like that deer a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big deer. Yeah. What did it end up scoring? 155 and two eights. Yeah, that's a giant deer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a giant big woods deer. Yeah, just a big, just nine point. Like he was just basically an eight point with like one inch G4 on him. Like he was just incredible it's a world-class experience dude yeah. and do it with friends and family and yeah it, i i was telling I was it probably telling, means the world to him yeah i was telling john today on the podcast like the coolest thing was seeing my dad when he walked because he was talking about like i was talking a lot about my dad on there and and he's like your dad's probably you know like the way I, he goes the way i am about you know my kids and he's like I'm proud like to see what they've become as a deer hunter. And like when they have successes, like I feel that like, and he's like, I can imagine what your dad felt. And I said, yeah, I said, my dad walked up to it and I was just like losing my mind. And my dad was just like, like just ecstatic about it. You know, like it was just, he, he, yeah, I couldn't even explain it. Like my dad was just so happy and John was so happy. And it was, it was, I, I can't, I don't you guys know if probably I'll ever didn't have a bad evening that. afterwards. No, actually, um, today Prime was shooting some stuff and they were going through some funny photos of me on this interview and we're like going, they're like, oh, all right, they wanted to explain it and they're putting together this video series and they had this picture of me passed out on the couch, like 
just mouth open. Like <laughs> apparently my girlfriend sent it to him. I was like, geez, she got me. But uh, like what, what happened in this photo? And I was like, it's like, that was the night after I shot my deer. We went to camp and I got completely loaded off my ass and I couldn't even walk or talk. And my girlfriend drove me back to my house and I decided it's not a good idea to go to bed. I'm going to sit on the couch and pass out here with my neck in a bad right. position. I'm just going to watch something for a minute. Yeah, I'm just, let me just watch TV for a minute. Like, I was going to comprehend anything I was going to watch anyways, but <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah, I had a, I had a good, we, we, we all had a, a good night. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's pretty stellar. It's exciting, too, because, you know, obviously you create media and content yeah. within. So, to, to get a nice deer to get your goal accomplished. I mean, it's a bunch of content Yeah, for you. So, you, you know, you got the whole deal. You got to do it with friends. Yeah, the, the whole experience. You got to, you know, have some people there to help take some photos. That's, yeah. I mean, it's when you do it as a group. I mean, uh, hunting is a tribal thing. It Yeah. By and, nature. And we, and we get it. Like, I love the solo aspect of archery and doing it that way, like, by myself. And I love that that part of it. But I really do love... And you and last time I had you on my podcast, it was we talked about deer hunting traditions and camps and everything. And like, that was literally a couple weeks after we recorded that when I shot that buck and it was everything exactly what we talked about is what you dream of like in a camp scenario like all night long there's vehicles coming up our camp driveway coming in while the, the buck was sitting on the tailgate and checking it out i'm telling the story 19 times over of how the hunt went to everybody and like everybody's cheers and having having beers together and and then turn to liquor and everything else. But it was, uh, yeah, we were, you know, it was just, it's awesome. That's a, I, I love, I love hunting. I love the hunting heritage, the tradition. Like it's, and yeah, you and I are, you know, six hours apart from driving, but it's like we're in the same spot at the same, you know, at the same time. Yeah. As we're sitting here, we're talking about this. I'm thinking about like October rolling in and I want to do a tent camp. I want to do like an archery camp, get a group of guys together that, uh, like I that October 10 through the 15th, when all the colors are changing, the leaves are starting to drop. As soon as the maples start to drop up here, there's a great chance to kill a giant buck. Cause if you get a isolated maple that's dropping maple leaves right on the edge of where he's bedding. He's going to try to be they're They're going to try to get in there ahead of one another to vacuum those leaves up. They love those. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just such a beautiful time and have a little tent camp and be up here with bows and arrows and chasing deer around. Yeah. Somebody connects with a big, big one and puts down and, you go on a blood trail as a group and oh yeah have your meals as a group i mean it's just uh it's a it's a good life man it's a good lifestyle i was like i said i was happy to see so many people out here this weekend mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't you know i live a kind of in my i don't want to say bubble but i i don't ever none of the anti-hunting stuff has direct has had any direct impact on me so like I'm always very concerned about it because I know that that's the, not the situation with other people, 
but like I feel good here in Michigan that like everybody does this. So I'm yeah. I feel and and people come you know it'll be a standard complaint. Oh, there's too many hunters and there's too much competition. I'm like, you don't want it the other way. You're right. I love that we're in a stronghold. Yeah. They proved it. I mean, there's all, there's a bunch of young girls here. Yeah. Like yoga pants, sports bras. They got, they're all jacked up. They got their, their packs on and their, their bows all set up and everything. And I'm like, I guess if you're like a younger hot chick, this is a cool thing to do. Yeah, I guess so. There was dozens of them, so <laughs> apparently it wasn't just like a fluke. Yeah. I was no. pretty surprised at the amount of young, attractive females that are participating in this event. I totally thought it was going to be more of a dude fest. Yeah. Not really the case. And we could kind of mention that aside from this whole archery thing going on at this grounds here this weekend, there's like bachelorette parties <laughs> in basically every other building that's not rented out by a bunch of guys shooting bows so it's yeah. been a pretty pretty rowdy weekend yeah I, I i would agree yeah i don't know what's going on out there right now like so we're down in the lower level kind of isolated but I, I i can use my imagination and imagine what we're gonna walk into when we come out of the basement <laughs> yeah, here no i guess see what's going on oh man yeah i'd I, uh, who knows what we're going to get into when we walk out there, especially with this group of guys. Well, yeah, like I said, our, our camp's 40 minutes from here. And I, I told John the same thing, you know, if you guys ever want to come up here and do an out of state hunt, you know, do an out of state big woods hunt, got a place to go, just camp, just a bunch of deer, get a deer tag cheap. I, I don't, I don't try to promote, promote, uh, people coming here to our state to deer hunt. That's like one of the luxuries we have. Like, no, there's no big deer to Michigan, so nobody comes here. Yeah. It's a good thing. Parking lots are usually empty, <laughs> and I like that. I don't <laughs> want that to change, but I definitely do welcome anybody that – the Big Woods thing, we talk about this. It's not the destination as much as it's the journey. Yeah. And if you love the journey, then it's a world-class place to go. And if you're all about the destination, that's fine, too. Teach just, their own. Just I wouldn't go to Michigan or Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> In yeah. that case. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody gets something different out of it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's nice, too. We have, you know, really good elk hunting up here. So if you want to see something different, you know, you can go out deer hunting. We saw we uh, yesterday morning at our camp. They just cut the state land to the east of our camp. And I had a buddy come stop in yesterday morning. We had coffee. He works nights and he gets up. He he works. He goes into work, I think, 9 o'clock and he gets off at 5. And then he goes and runs his bear dogs. And then he, you know, does some stuff around the house and he goes to bed. So he, he was running his dogs and he came and stopped in. We talked for a little bit. He has all the dogs in the car here in the truck. And uh, he left, and he came came back, and he said, uh, "Why is he pulling back in? He's there's uh, four good bowls in the woodlot next to camp right now. If you guys want to go get a look at them." And so we uh, went down through the timber. Um, the wind was just absolutely perfect for us. Really, when we got to the edge of the timber, we could see these bowls out there in the cut feeding, and they were at two fifty. 
and we went from 250 we just got low and crept it took a little bit of time the cut got cut last year it's pretty messy still it was hard to be very very quiet but we got to 90 and we didn't have a bunch of time either we had some stuff that we had to get done yeah you know if we had had a tag it would have been done a, a, a done deal. We would have taken our time. We probably could have worked into within, I bet you we could have worked in within 40 yards of four good bulls. Yeah. So we got to 90, we got some photos and then, uh, I was, I was just kind of getting, uh, sick of crawling in yeah. the pickers and the, and the sticks and everything and was ready to head back to camp. So we stood up. And I took some photo, and the one bull started barking at us. You know, he's like, brew, brew, brew. He was pissed and trying to get us to move around and do whatever. And we're just standing there still, you know, and they, then the other ones got alerted and they were watching us and watching us and watching us. And they stood there for, I mean, I don't know how many arrows we could have shot at them. Finally, you know, we're like, all right, we got to get out of here. And we started, and as soon as we moved, they weren't into it. They took off. And, but I've got some nice pictures. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's, I think one of them is going to be a 7 by 5 The other is going to be 6 by 6 and the other is going to be a 5 by 5 And then there was a younger one in there, too. I don't know what he's going to be, but they had a bunch of inches on them already. They're all going to be in the probably mid-200s, at least, I would say, by looking at what they got going on right now so that was the start of the weekend yeah so like, that's dude, awesome yeah it was it was it, it was uh it was a nice start to the weekend and i guess what i was getting at yeah there's bear elk deer turkey tons of turkey uh, coyote bobcat there's a bunch of critters in the woods up here so it's a fun place to come hunt yeah that is awesome man well what do you think we go join the crew out yeah there? let's let's do that we said we were gonna do. Uh, we said we were gonna do short. I don't know what time we started this, but it's we got awesome. just over an hour. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's perfect. Man. Yeah, for sure. Well, Cheers, man. That yeah, was fun. I enjoyed it. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. For sure. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.